Hello and welcome, disc golfers, to the Hitting the Line podcast. I am your host, Jad, and as per usual, I am joined by my brother, Naz Dog. Nas, how you doing, bruv? What's up, Jad? Uh, we are getting into spring. We are getting into the full, full swing of the tour, and uh, we are super excited to be recording again. Yes, sir. It's been a couple weeks at least. Um, we have two tournaments to recap as well as talk about the OTB Open uh, coming up this weekend. Um, before we get into that, Nas, would you give a shout out to our sponsors, please? Heck, yes, I will. Uh, we want to give a shout out to uh, our three sponsors. First and foremost being Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the app and the website that allows us to have a little bit of betting action on disc golf. Uh, make sure you check them out, prizepicks.com. Check out their app. They allow you to make entries and play on a, a variety of sports, and of course, being the first ever to include disc golf. So without prize picks, we would probably not have the show. Please, uh, when you sign up for prize picks, if you use the promo code HTL for hitting the line, they will match your initial deposit up to uh, $100, 100%. And that's money you can play with right away. Yes, and then sir. two of our other sponsors, we've got Till Death Disc Club. Uh, Till Death Disc Club represents the love of the sport that we all have. Uh, for life till death you can see if you're watching live which actually none of you are today um i've got well, my till my till well, death hat people on. might not be watching live but let me just say if you have been living in a closet under a rock in a cave till death just dropped their bucket hat till death apparel. oh snap. so if you want to be like ricky waisaki get yourself a, uh, a till death bucket hat and i believe all um about i'm probably butchering this a little bit I'm just going to say 20% of all proceeds are going to what they call Project Purple. Um, somebody close to Till Death um, is suffering from some form of cancer. I'm sorry, I can't name this off the top of my head, but please look into it. Um, buy a bucket hat and some proceeds will go to a good cause. Yeah, they make some super sweet shirts. We've got, a, a, I think I've got two different hats already from, from them. Uh, check them out. I think just their whole message is really, really cool because we, we all love disc golf for life till death. Uh, and then also I'm wearing my Dark Ace apparel t-shirt today with the Grim Reaper basket. Uh, Dark Ace apparel. You can all, uh, sorry, to go back a little bit, uh, for Till Death Disc Club, if you use promo code HTLPOD, you will get a 15% discount off of your order. Uh, and with Dark Ace apparel, if you use HTL as your promo code when you order, you get a 10% disc off of their Superfly apparel. And they, of course, merge two of my favorite worlds, uh, heavy metal music and apparel and disc golf. So check out uh, Dark Ace Apparel, Till Death Disc Club, and of course, Prize Picks. Jed, where are we at this week? Do we want to talk about this week or do we oh, want to yeah. No, let's recap. recap. You're totally sure. right. Let's, let's recap. Um, let's start off with yeah. uh, the absolute beating we gave Prize Picks at DDO. Um, I want to start there because if you're following our Twitter, you know we were tweeting about this. And there was huge money to be made. Uh, some of us even made a thousand percent on our money. Um, that was not me, but uh, Jed, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and tell them uh, what happened at DDO uh, real quick while I shut sure. my recording studio door. Sure. Um, to sum up, essentially, um, you know, we we've been battling this season up and down a little bit, up and down a little bit, mostly up. I'm um, usually anywhere from about 20 to 50%. Me and Nas have been up uh, this year. And, you know, that's the goal is to just be up, battle around the even mark until 
something like what happened at DDO happens where prize picks just make some major mistakes. Um, two or three of the days, they just highly underestimated um, the conditions, how the course is going to play with all the OB and set out some, to be honest, really bad lines and really bad prop bets um, where it was just so blatantly obvious that it was one of those moments where you should be committing more of your bankroll, putting more of your bankroll in play. Um, long story short, I 10 X my money. I turned $500 into five grand and, uh, pulled out almost all of that money. And, and now we're chilling. I mean, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, uh, that we could make thousands spending on disc golf, I would have been like, F yeah, that's crazy. No way. I, I, it almost seems impossible, especially with, um, the betting format being, um, parlays, uh, and I would have been not that good. To be yeah. Bad. I would have just, I would have just been happy battling all season, making 20% because as you've seen what the stock market's doing, you'd be doing better betting on disc golf. That's just awesome. Um, but yeah, so when, when listening, if you have been following along all year, there's no reason why you shouldn't have been battling around that even mark. Like me and Nas has been doing 20 up 20% up 50%. And then man, when that chance comes where they set out some bad hole props or underestimate the course, um, and you jump on it, it, that's what it's all about. Uh, so I made 10 X my money. Not some, did you make money on? on that yeah, I, I didn't commit as much as you. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. I ended up making 80%. I think I, I was Which around is remarkable. Yeah. I think I started around a hundred that, uh, tournament and made a few bets. And then of course I put a few more bets out on, did, did you already mention what hole and what the situation was? I stepped uh, Well, just essentially when, where we first noticed it was they had a hole one prop bet. Anybody who remembers DDO hole one was that Island hole where some players were even laying up and the prop bet was over under two and a half strokes. So are they getting a birdie or better? Uh, obviously we smashed all of the overs because if they lay up, we yeah, automatically yeah, yeah. win. And it was like the hardest hole on the course to put in bounds. By far, yeah. Maybe not, but uh, some of them played a little bit tougher, but putting it on that Island and guaranteeing they're going to make the putt. Uh, yeah, we just smashed the overs and nobody hit the under. And yeah, this I happened think, on many holes. Yeah, on many holes. There was another one too. I forgot which one exactly. 16, uh, the island 16 across the something. water. The other one, more people made that one than yeah. hole one. But uh, on hole one, yeah, if you hit anybody on the over, it hit. Because I think the Well, well the, most, the most crucial thing about it, and it it's important to know going forward um, with these hole prop bets is that, so if they do more um, single hole prop bets, the important thing to know is, you can get a large or at least a medium sum of data of what the rest of the field has done before those better guys have even teed off. Uh, Cause of course they're putting people out there like all, all the, all the best players, all the best players are going to be teeing off later in the day. Right. Um, so we're going to see not, not round one. Cause sometimes round, round one is more random. Correct. But, but regardless um, the, the lock time for prize picks isn't until that player's tee time. So we get to see, players of the field play, see how that hole plays ahead of time and then make our decision. I mean, if, if you get to see that 78% of the players are not getting birdie or better then you're just smashing over on every single one of those players. doesn't matter if they're Paul McBeth, doesn't matter who they are. You know, you're just and, taking your chances and letting it ride. And did, and did you notice, I think by the, by the second or third day, I think they cut off that. Um, yeah, they gave up on it. Like, what the hell does that You had to have your bets in at 6 a.m. or whatever. You couldn't wait till 11 and watch. So they definitely got hip. Um, I'll, I'll be really curious to see the rest of the year if they do prop bets or if they're like, man, we really lost our ass. We should never do, do that again. Yeah. And if they make the cutoff lines at tea time so you can see some scores and what people are shooting or if they say, no, you got to have it locked in before it starts. So yeah, and interesting I, stuff. I do want to touch on one more thing that happened as well. So when 
as like as a player, you got to know um, your rights um, as far as getting paid out goes. For example, I had many um, wins that I was able to 12x on because they had they had a promo where um, they if you did a five pick flex, if you hit all of them, um, you could get paid out 12x. And their their promotional banner that they tweeted said all sports. Um, I had reached out to, and you know, this seemed kind of weird to me because some of the, some of the multiplier, like the banner, um, that they tweeted out the picture, the multipliers were showing what was typical for other sports. Whereas disc golf is a little bit nerfed when you choose all overs, you know, it only pays out five X instead of 10 X or eight X or whatever. So it seemed kind of weird to me. So I, I reached out to somebody, um, from their support team and I said, Hey, this is for all sports, correct? And they said, yes, uh, you know, I screenshot that right away. Um, and then, cause I hadn't gotten a response from prize picks support, um, via DM. And so I start smashing all these five pick flexes. Cause I, I know my rights. I, I jumped through my hoops. I reached out to people. I got the answer I was looking for. And then eventually the VP, um, says on Twitter, and this was way later. I waited hours to get a response This is after my stuff's already locked in. He says, no, it is not for disc golf, golf. And there's one other sport. It is not for these three sports because they don't have standard scoring. And I said, well, hold on. I DM'd prize picks. I also DM prize pick support and I reached out to prize pick support. So I reached out to three different people and I got the answer saying, yes, that it was for all sports. So somebody at prize picks messed up and told me specifically that it was all sports when it was technically not. I argued with the VP of prize picks and he paid us out. Um, Nas, you got paid out with that as well, correct? I sure did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. they went so, back so the day after they went and back and changed the payments. They went back and adjusted all the payments, uh, small brag, but that was solely because of me. You got to know true. your, you got to know your, your rights as a player. Um, when it just jump through all the hoops. Cause I mean, these situations happen frequently. You'll see sometimes where like stat corrections or, or for whatever reason, the people who make the stats blow it. Like, let's say a player is over under one and a half blocks for a game and he gets a block, um, but it's later called a goaltending in the stat correction. If you notice that and they haven't adjusted the payouts, you, you need to go back and tell them, Hey, you guys messed up, pay me. And, and they should, and they will, if not, they're no longer reputable and tell people not to play with them, but shout out prize picks. They realized they made the mistake. They paid us out and that's they how did I did the right how, thing. And that's how, yeah. And that's how I 10 X my bankroll in one weekend. Yeah, that was huge. We were tweeting live, telling people to do it. Um, your Twitter following or our, our Twitter following grew <laughs> yeah. tremendously from all yeah. sorts of DGen players <laughs> yeah, who like, were seeing. They're, they're like, hey, has the Waisaki guy gone yet? They're Is like, who's like, Waisaki? Yes, and why are you guys telling me to take all of these overs? And we're like, and they we just did, and people to got us. paid out. Yeah. <laughs> people got paid out. People started following. And so uh, we've got the DGens of prize picks now following us. On <laughs> Let's Twitter, go. Not, not, not just the disc golf heads. Yeah, um, funny. yeah so DDO was crazy. Um, what do you think, Jed, about uh, a course like that in those conditions? Do you think that there should be a limit? Uh, so here, so hear me out. That there should be a limit on wind before they stop a tournament, like say 30 mile an hour sustained gusts? Or do you think that this is disc golf? This is part of the game. Uh, wind, extreme wind or no wind. I mean, I, I, th I think if winds were to the point where you can't putt from five feet without the disc blowing 80 feet away, then maybe that's a time to consider. Or do you think you just play and see what happens? I thought Nate Doss's take on this on live coverage um, sums it up, sums up my opinion uh, perfectly. 
Um, these guys aren't here to have, they're not there to have fun. It's their job. Yeah. Disc golf is their job. When you go into the office, when you go into work, um, is every day going to be the best day? There's going to be days that are bad days, days that you're not going to enjoy, but that's life. That's part of the game. Uh, it's part of their job. I mean, if, if part of your job is playing disc golf and in some high winds, I don't feel bad for you. And I like to see the differences of people who can persevere. Um, I think Brody Smith might've been throwing a little bit of shade at Paul Macbeth. Like Brody was was. Brody was saying he succeeded because, you know, he was adjusting his game plan, every hole on the wind conditions, this and that, where it sounded like this could have been about Paul, but he was saying some players were, were not adjusting. They were staying aggressive. They were still trying to throw these big lines instead of just uh, praying to get their par or their bogey and move on. And it, and it showed in their scores. And if players are so mad that the, about the win and they hate playing it and so they just start throwing their game away, well, then guess what? They're not going to win that tournament. It's none of my business. Yeah. I don't care. I like watching players persevere. And guess what? There's something to be said about playing well in the win because Simon tore up DDO and um, Jonesboro, Jonesboro. Was super yeah. windy. Uh, so there is a skill to it. And, there is a skill. Uh, anybody and, who and has an understanding of complaining, your discs. Yeah. And, he, and the biggest thing, Jed, too, that I want to, it was the first time ever, I think I heard somewhere that this many people with like such low ratings, I mean, there's still a thousand ratings, yeah. so they're great, that yeah, finished in the this. top 10. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I just find it curious that there's this connection between those, this highly windy day. Yeah. And then you had these three players barely above thousand rated cash. Um, do you think that has something to do with like these thousand rated dudes just know their game and are great at adjusting, like you said? Like what? What is that? Why were there so many? Probably just just sticking guys? to the game plan because because maybe they're not able to go with these huge lines like somebody like Paul will or do do like crazy type shots or um, yeah they're not exposing their disc as much and just sticking to their solid game plan. I think there is something to be said about that, and I think the sample was so big that you cannot call it luck. Yeah, you can't say, oh, it's just lucky that these three guys less than 10-10 rated. Hebenheimer, I don't remember everybody. So I better just remember yeah, Hebenheimer because he's the uh, the cornhole putter. Yeah, the cornhole putter, which I've tried in the backyard. I can't figure I, it I out. I tried it a little bit, and I can do like 15 feet, honestly. I can. Yeah, it's weird. The release is so strange. But it's yeah, so DDO was, you have to go across your body. So DDO was pretty crazy uh, for us and our money, for the field, for everyone who was watching. Uh, it was also a world's preview but typically mm. in the summertime, it's not Last as windy wind, yeah. out in uh, Kansas. It's going to be hot. So I think we'll see different results. But um, it, <coughs> excuse me, it was cool to see Brody shoot well. <coughs> Somewhat surprising. I mean, he shot really well the first day, and that kind of put him in contention because uh, no one really shot well the first day. So he was up there. And, of course, seeing Simon get second was really awesome. And uh, shoot, who, who took first? Now I'm blanking completely. Sorry, uh, let me check. <laughs> I don't know. I had not. Now I forgot. I was so stoked on Simon getting second. I forgot. Yeah. Who, oh, I, Ricky, I he ran away with it. It was Bucket oh, Hat Rick. Yeah, Bucket Hat Rick. Duh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so him getting the win in Emporia, that's like huge for his brand. Yeah, um, I, agree. I believe Kona had to drop out due to COVID. A couple other players yeah, also had to drop out during no, I, I believe uh, that, that, that tournament for um, COVID. So. Uh, she didn't get to have maybe the finish that she wanted to at DDO. And then uh, we we moved right on to one of my favorite tournaments of the year, uh, Santa Cruz Masters Cup at the historic. I agree. I, I love De La, I love the Masters Viega Cup. Disc Golf Course. 
uh, and ball golf course. Um, Dela, I actually do like um, everything about that course and the changes that they made this year. Instead of the 24 holes, they made it 18, removed a couple holes where you have to toss over fairways, made some really smart choices there. And uh, Santa Cruz Masters Cup, I, th I think so. A lot of people think it's, you know, a course that is kind of been outgrown by um, disc, that disc golf has outgrown De La, you know, of course it's been around since the eighties. Uh, I personally don't believe that. I think it's a huge kind of level playing field to get players who maybe a guy like Matt Bell, who maybe doesn't have a huge, huge arm can go up and get a really good, good cash. Um, and so I, I find that tournament to be really, really exciting. I believe that was who took that one home final day. Ganenberg. Ganenberg. It came down to Ganenberg and James yep. Conrad. Yep. Um, and so we can officially say that um, Ganenberg, with his first win of the year, uh, is a top five disc golfer in the world, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really think uh, he he's might. He's fourth in the standings. I think he might squeak out Paul McBeth at that five spot. Let's well, do a right, top five. Well, right, right now in the. Um, DGPT point standing, he's has 65 more points than Paul. And so, yes, he is in fourth so, place. So in fifth. Ricky unanimous, number one, who's number two, Dickerson, Dickerson, Calvin Heinberg, three. Yeah. He's definitely not ahead of Dickerson. Four is Gannon and five is Paul. Okay. That's it. I can, I can get behind that. As far as this season goes, I, I mean, that is, that, that is the DG, DGPT rankings, Wh as, which as is, now, which is crazy because of Paul's hot start. And then just, He's all of a sudden he's had more variance in his game than I'm used to seeing. Yeah. Well, you know, He'll come out and shoot a ridiculously hot round, but then shoot mediocre to the next. Yeah. And I think that's something we're not used to seeing from, from Paul. And there are some times where if he knows he's not in contention, cause he'll even say he's there to win. He goes aggressive uh, all day. He and goes he can, aggressive. He and they, it. Yeah. But you know, I, and I think that's, I hate to even say this. It's kind of the downside Mm -hmm. of players getting paid so much uh paul with a million dollars a year he doesn't need he doesn't have to grind that out yeah. to cash he doesn't have to grind out a thousand dollar cash to pay his gas that that week to drive to the next spot which i'm not saying i want disc golfers to go back to a life where they're scraping pennies to get from place to place to place but uh you know what's his incentive to play well if his only goal is to get first if he knows he's not going to get first what's his incentive to continue playing well you, you would know? think maybe dgpt points but he's going to play so well and so many that he's going to make it there anyway. he's going to qualify yeah yeah so you know that's kind of an interesting fold in disc disc golf where players used, used to have to grind to even barely scrape up you know even a first place finish wasn't that much money and now it is and you see um some of these other players getting a big cash and you know that means a lot to them and you know they're going to keep grinding so I wonder what keeps a guy like Paul going when uh, he's not in first, you know? And so it was really cool to see Simon, like I said, get, get that. Cause I'm not sure he's a million dollar a year guy and he's got a house and kids now too. So um, Simon, Simon makes a lot of money. He's I'm got, sure he he's got many signature discs, a signature bag in his YouTube and YouTube and people yeah. just love him. Uh, yeah. I think he's a great ambassador for our sport. I know yeah, sure he's goaded with the sauce for sure. He is goaded with the sauce. I'm not sure if you saw that clip re uh, recently from one of his, his most recent videos uh, where he talks about, he wants disc golf to like grow the game. He's like, I want courses where you have to use putters, mids, fairways, not just PD2, 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 PD2. Yeah. So even a guy with a huge arm like him, I, I love seeing Simon throw putters. I love seeing him throw an, an MD3 across the lake or a putter. And so I am kind of with him. I would love to see more courses where, yeah, you have a 250 foot shot. I want to see a pro lace a putter. It's not boring to me to watch, um, pros execute because some people don't I, like I a agree. birdie or die course i love it because that's the 
definition of execution is yeah. here's a shot you have. So do you it. You should be able to <laughs> yeah, make, do yourself. it and make the birdie. And guess what? If someone doesn't do it, then you're not as good as the other players that did straight up if you can't do yeah. it consistently. So yeah, golf I want to see execution and repeating. And then he also played a, a course in Pennsylvania re, uh, recently. I didn't get to watch that video. Dude, what, you have to see called? that's like the most beautiful course. I don't know. It's his, one, one of his most recent. It's called uh, something. It's in Pennsylvania in the Little Hills. It's beautiful. Yeah, everybody and was tweeting about it. He shot a 9 or a 10 down shooting casual. And so it, he said it wasn't a difficult course, but the, one of the most be beautiful courses and like well-laid-out courses he's seen. Um, and I, I take just listen to Simon talk all day. <laughs> oh, I love Simon. I could, yeah, same. Um, great human great sense of humor he's just very reasonable extremely reasonable yeah i love i love whenever out of his butt. i love her whenever he gets a chance to dig at eagle he will whether he's talking about eagle being a vegan or he always throws a jab he has, at him. <laughs> and now he definitely has his dad vibe uh on on the uh, latest video with uh casey white Casey White will throw a shot and he's like too high, terrible. And then he goes and throws his shot. Like he's like got this mentor kind of role, yeah. but yeah. But, and he plays it well. He's like, Nope, that's not good. And then he'll throw his, you know? So he's got this, just this funny vibe between him, Eagle Casey, where he's kind of like the dad of those yeah. three, which is weird, but it's funny. Um, and yeah, he's, you know, like you said, he's goaded with the sauce. He's just, one of the just seeing him shoot good this year. is such a relief. We've, it makes me so happy. It. Yeah. Disc golf is better is, you know, disc golf is better when Simon is playing well, we can all agree yeah. with that, I think. Um, so yeah, so master's cup happened. I, I mean, I don't know. Do you think you can, uh, be as Gannon coasted results? to first. He literally just coasted the whole way. It seemed like he had it the way. The end result might have been close. I know two people, James and someone else, were right behind him by one stroke. And Josh Anton was in contention for a while, which, hold on. All politics aside, how much you hate Anton. He's a Nazi. He killed someone, this or that. It's just funny how we've always talked about how Josh Anton will come out of nowhere with his old school bag and just shoot with a hot Innovus, score. With the, uh, the end of a stamp so like blocked out. It's and then yeah, so and then he'll finish a top five, which is exactly what he did. Yeah, the top five was Gannon, Matty O with a super strong finish. Yeah, uh, James Conrad, Chris Clemens, Lori Lettinen, Josh and Josh An Anton round out the top five. Then Chandler Fry, Anthony Barella, which I would not have thought would be someone yeah, who would Cup. shoot great at Sanders at um, uh, De La, who shot well. Paul McBeth. Did he shoot well third? Place. Did he shoot well third round? Oh, uh, he shot a 52, which was only two strokes worse than Gannon. So yeah, he shot well. Yeah, uh, not great, but he shot well. And then uh, Austin Hannum and Andrew Miranda, who was playing MA1 until two weeks ago. He's a thousand rated like MA1 player. Like that. He's 16 year, years old. He had that uh, throw in on Instagram. Yeah, he's incredible. Brad Bradley Williams, Scott Withers, who we know uh, for crushing Locally. local C tiers here in Oregon. Cool him. <laughs> I'm not trying to insult Scott. No, let's be real. Be fair, it's unsanctioned events. <laughs> no, they're sanctioned too. Talking, he'll come up about there. Some of the yeah, some oh yes, yeah, yeah, some of them. But he'll, you know, here locally in Southern Oregon, Scott Scott Withers will just come up and just crush it. Crush but, but people love it for some reason. Yeah, people like two it. guys play up and play open just so they can get crushed by Scott Withers. Oh, that's how much they simp. For like, him. why are you not but in AMC? He did get a thirteenth place finish, which is respectable. Um, his rating has dropped six points since last year, so I, I don't think he is a uh, top miss. five or 10 golfer in the world. Like his rating last year su su suggest, suggested, yeah. but no, then Adam Hammes, Garrett Gerthy, Drew Gibson, who has not been playing well the past couple I, of weeks. Know, he might be someone to I look know. at as overs this week. Cause he has not been playing. And then you've got a whole list of folks, Brody Smith in 25th with uh, tied with Philo and Connor O'Reilly who shot uh, 10 down coming out. 
Matt Bell oh, uh, did it. not shoot as well as I thought. Uh, I think mostly due to his second round. The first round, he shot a 49, which is pretty good out at Dela, but then he shot an even par the second day. So it's really cool to see um, some some names at the top that maybe we don't see normally, uh, like Chris Clemens and Matty I, O. So. I, I just want to add one thing. Speaking of people at the top, and I'm, and I'm about to say a funny story about him. James Conrad is sneakily having a top seven season this year. He is mm-hmm. placing top 10 almost uh-huh. every event. Almost every event. I, I think like only Gannon Burr has been more consistent than him. Maybe Ricky. Um, of course, Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy how actually consistent. So like low key, James Conrad might be. If James Conrad had a win, I could convincingly say he's playing better than Paul McBeth this year. So I'm going to put James Conrad at that sixth spot. Uh, only nice. Have a win. Yeah. But but speaking of the James Conrad thing, I know everybody has seen like all the, like the funny meme about James Conrad blow up coming and he'll like do nothing like he'll be like kick, darn. kick the dirt yeah darn or kick the dirt or something funny but if you were watching the final round i think it might have been hole 16 could have been hole 15 he, so the hole right before he had missed a circle two putt barely he chained out probably should have stuck and he has another big circle two putt um to get one back on gannon comes up just short hits the basket and he lets out a fuck you james and that was the wow. biggest blow up I've ever heard. I, I swear, live coverage, you could hear him say, fuck you, James. And I'm like, what? No way. Just just to fill it in uh, the gaps here. Yeah, the standings are Ricky, Dickerson, Calvin, Gannon, Paul, Conrad. There and kind of there. quietly uh, in seventh, who would you guess is in seventh place? You won't guess. Kevin Jones would be my best guess. Nope, Larry he's an eighth. Nathan. Nope. I don't know. Uh, seventh place, Joel Freeman, who has oh no, that makes sense to me. He is it does, but it's he, surprising he always, to me. He always gets around top ten. Sixth like, at Jonesboro, eighth at Music City, yeah. which was a Silver Series. Fourth at Texas State's, third at Waco, and so just those finishes that alone. Texas swing helped him a lot. Is enough to get him in the top eight. Then Kevin Jones, then Nico. Uh, Nico has had he, some he bad finishes too. the past yeah. three weeks. He tied for fifty third most recently, tied for fifteenth, and then tied for thirtieth. So those are not uh, his best, but he has two fourth place finishes in a 10th. So he's in ninth, then then Emerson Keith, then Drew Gibson. So Drew has fallen down a little bit and then Matty O. So um, that's who we have right now in like the top 12. Drew, Drew's pretty damn low for having a win, but he did take for a little bit a off though. He took some time. He out. did. He did. He's been um, the house, et cetera. But yeah, just not kind of what we're used to seeing from Drew the past couple of weeks or Nico. Uh, so yeah, it's been an awesome, uh, awesome couple of weeks. Um, I went out on Sunday and played a course with some friends out in Cave Junction. I got Why my have wife. I not played that course. Yeah, dude, it was cool. They uh, they have nine holes with tee pads and baskets, and the baskets or the sorry, the tee pads are really nice and long and big, well thought out holes. And they have a back nine right now that is mostly dirt tee pads, and they have baskets put in. But I couldn't find my way around there very well. We got lost after three holes on the back nine, but the front was so fun. I played it three three times. I, I just I just played a twelve hole course last weekend as well. It was the worst course I've ever played, and I was playing the worst I've ever played. So it was just yeah. like, it was a total slog fest. Like, I, I got my uh, <laughs> wife, who has been um, sworn to throwing only putters, because she said she doesn't like nothing else. But I gave her the Katrina Allen Vortex. Is that what she threw and, on the Instagram? Dude, yeah, she was, was throwing so like smooth 240. And far. Yeah, dude, she was easy. throwing like 240 Stand every shot she, she, she threw. I was like, that was your longest shot ever. Then at the end, she Stand pounded still. one. Yeah, from like basically a standstill, she's throwing like 240 with the vortex on a Heiser flip. 
or a turnover shot. So the Vortex, if you guys have not checked out this disc by DGA, if you're a noodle arm or you like throwing rollers or big hyzer flips, the Vortex is so much fun to throw. So it's like a seven speed with like a minus three at least turn and like a one fade. You got to check check this disc out uh, for your friends who maybe are newer to the game and are just throwing left. So that was fun. And uh, yeah, getting to the grind, getting towards the end of the school year, which is awesome for me. Um, uh, yeah, so let's... Let's let's you're, look to this this week now. You're or what? Okay. Well, I was gonna say Go yeah. Ahead. You're hitting the grind. I'm hitting the grind as well. This will likely be um, maybe not my last episode of the season, but last like routinely. Like the only way I'll be able to do it again is if we schedule it ahead of time. Like we know, um, I'll be fighting fire this year out west. Um, we're two weeks in now, and we expect to be nationally ready within a week or two. Probably about maybe almost two weeks from now I will be going out on 14 day stints um, whenever the fire calls. So do you know, are, are there fires current currently a whole, a whole bunch. There's a 300,000 acre fire in New Mexico right now. And that's where we're trying to get to. So we're trying to be ready in a couple of weeks. So I might be in New Mexico in two weeks. How about you got got to to meet guys on your crew yet and stuff? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So our, our crew's all set. We're all, we're already we actually have one or two more people joining us they're just some higher ups because we have a small newer crew this year um but yeah it's been a lot of fun been working my ass off like every day is like we do so much work like so i have a whoop anybody who knows uh what a whoop is it essentially measures like your cardiovascular and your sleep and stuff it's it's similar to like a fitbit or whatever you might yeah. use like a watch and they have like their own metric for strain, like how strenuous what you're doing is. And the max it goes to is 21. In the past two days, I've hit 20 point something, 20.3, 20. Point, and it tells you how much sleep you need. And we're doing this pot a little late tonight. I'm not going to hit that sleep. It wants me sleeping over 10 hours tonight. I'm like, not even possible. I work 10 hour shifts right now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, we've been working our ass off. I'm ready. Well, Jack, good luck to good you money. from all yeah. of us at the house here. Uh, stay safe no matter what. Yeah, and, we'll uh, be safe. Go out, go out, go out there. And thanks to climate change, uh, you'll never be out of work. It's getting so. crazy. It's getting crazy right now. <laughs> it, it burns hotter and earlier every every year. Yeah, That's true. All right. Well, luckily for us, lines are uh, up already on Price Picks, and they had them up. I think around six o'clock today. So that's pretty cool. Shout out to Price Picks for getting those off up. At so a we are time. at the OTB Open. Yeah, in OTB Stockton, Open. California. Yeah, uh, home of some badasses. The Diaz brothers are the first people that come to my mind. I love the Diaz brothers, uh, and that NorCal area is just a vibe, you know. Yeah, I think uh, Drew Gibson is kind of sa- that Sacramento area a little bit mm-hmm. farther away. But yeah, this course is huge. It's 11,727 feet, par 66, which is the same as last year. Although um, course designers have specifically went out and tried to make this course much harder or much more challenging. Uh, only five of the holes I read are the same. I don't know which one's off the top of my head. Um, but there have been a lot of changes, and I've seen a lot of pros tweeting that they like the changes. It's challenging. And they're really excited to get out there and get after it. Uh, it's a beautiful piece of property at Swenson Park, uh, same place that had it last last year. And I forgot the course designer is a famous course designer. Um, he's been working on this for months. And the guys at OTB are super stoked about it. And um, yeah, I think and this o- is gonna OTB be really is just an awesome, awesome brand to support. By the way, yeah. If, if you, you haven't it, gone on their website, OTB the you're bomb. not even a disc. You're not even a disc golfer if you haven't bought dude. a disc golf OTB, dude. Come they, on. They they love their their fan base. Um, if you follow them on social media, you know they're active. Speaking of them on social media, 
We are only one win behind them right now in our fantasy disc golf league for Twitter. Yeah, uh, we need to post about that more because we're kind of crushing it. We're we're one win behind them, but we have all of the best players right now. We've got Gannon Burr, uh, Ricky Wysocki, uh Brody Smith. Brody Smith. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're missing a big one. Matty O? No, no, no. Even better. Hold on. I forgot, but we went with the young crowd when we made our picks and uh, people weren't sure. People, I think someone great graded our draft as a C and uh, or a B maybe, but we're in second. So if you're questioning me and Jad's fantasy disc golf abilities daily or otherwise, please sit down. R- Ricky Wysocki, Gannon Burr, Anthony Brella, Mason Ford, Brody Smith, Andrew Marweed. Yeah, we have a pretty good squad. I'll I'll take it. Yeah, I'll yeah. take him. And we've got we got two of the top five players in the world. So, yeah, that's not much better than that. Um, so, yeah, with the course being still a par 66, uh, I think we're going to look at, I don't know, I would, I'd have to guess maybe the course playing about two to three strokes harder, uh, at least, because I would think if they kept five holes the same, the other 13, you got to think they either tried to make a little bit mm-hmm. harder More or add, yeah. add some sort of challenge. So I really think that looking at last last year's scores won't be super help, helpful. Um, but everyone needs to do their own research. And like you kind of said er- uh, earlier, one thing I want to uh, thank Brody Smith for is that he always gets a video out with him and Ezra playing the course ahead of time. Like I think you can go on there today or tomorrow and watch it and kind yeah, of maybe make your, make your decisions about what courses you think are or what holes you think are score- scorable. And maybe a six down is absolutely blazing or maybe it's an eight. Um, but I think last year <clears> – <throat> Eagle won this thing at minus 32 over three rounds. So he averaged almost 11 down. So like 55s. I don't think we're going to see 55s this year. Uh, I think we can expect probably 60 or a six down or a seven down. Like I said, to be kind of hot. So yeah, it's going to play harder. So um, yeah, kind of take that into account maybe when you're doing your research, because Jed and I don't have all of the answers. We're out here with you guys looking for lines to exploit and lines that we think we can beat. Um, but that doesn't mean we know exactly what these guys are going to shoot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just as you've been mentioning, uh, do your, do your own research. Uh, typically me and Nas would love to have that research out, uh, for you guys ahead of time. Oftentimes we do, uh, this week we don't, you know, real life hits you. Uh, you know, we got nine to fives grinding and out like the rest of you listening. Uh, so we, so we haven't done that. Um, but we don't want to pretend that we have all the answers. Um, but we just want to give you the advice, um, and things that you should think about when you are uh, doing your research and picking lines. So yeah, you, you should be watching really closely hole per hole uh, when Brody and Ezra post their videos. Um, you should be Google searching OTB open uh, 2021 or, or the, the caddy book for 2022. Yep. Cause those are always up and you can literally see um, the diagram of each and every hole. You can see where there's out of bounds, how much artificial OB there is. Um, you should be comparing that to the caddy book from 2021. If you want uh, to be accurate, uh, you should be seeing uh, what typical ratings were last year and then determining, is this course going to play um, two, two strokes tougher? Okay. So then um, a score might be 15, uh, might be 15 rating point difference because, you know, typically ratings per stroke are seven to eight ratings points. Uh, so those are the things you should be doing. If you want to make money on prize picks, if you want to make money gambling on disc golf, Hopefully that keeps you around that 20 to 60% up on the year. Like uh, me and Nas have been all year. And then man, when price picks messes up uh, like they have in the past, that's when we can really jump on them and go for those big exploits. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So that's my advice. let's, let's, let's take a quick look at the board. Um, and then maybe if there's anybody that jumps out at you, when we look at some results, we can uh, make some suggestions here. Uh, so right off the bat, 
uh, Ricky, Paul, and Calvin all at 59 and a half strokes. So that's going to be in order to, if you pick the under there, you're looking at a seven down, which is going to be, like I said, probably close to a hot round. Uh, Then you got Adam Hammes and Kyle Klein at 62. Kevin Jones at 62 and a half, which uh, I think is exploitable. Uh, James Conrad at 60 and a half. Drew Gibson at 61 and a half. Nate Sexton at 63, I want to talk about in a little bit. Um, Simon at 61 and a half. Garrett Gerthy at 63. Gannon Burr at 60 and a half. So a full stroke uh, higher than Paul, Ricky, and Calvin. Uh, and then Ezra at 62 and a half. And Brody at 63, which I think is a little bit exploitable. Um, yeah. So those are our lines. And then, so kind of taking our thinking that this course is going to play. And I think a stroke too is like, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, Colin Cowherd talk about how a best receiver or the best running back on average is only worth a point in a game, but yes, not, but not hardly worth nothing. Five or six. Exactly. Yeah. I think with strokes, it's something similar where you can make huge changes and I don't think it affects strokes that much until you add a lot of changes. And because this course has a lot of changes, I think two or three strokes harder is going to be maybe what to expect. So you add that up over three rounds. It could be, you know, nine strokes from last, last year. That's different. So if last year, the hot, hot score was 32 with a bunch of 28s below it. I think that this year, somewhere between a 22 and a 27 will win, will win it. Um, so that's looking at about a hot, hot round average of, you know, nine down per round or maybe seven down per round. So I don't think we'll see anything too much higher than that. Um, that being said, it's still important to go back and look at last year's results to see how people played on this type of course. And so last year we had Eagle with a big win. He won by a, a full four strokes over James Conrad. Anthony Barella also tied for second. Uh, Ricky Wysocki and, Cal- and Calvin in fourth. Paul McBeth in sixth. Aaron Gossage played really well here last year in seventh. Joel Freeman at eighth. Nico in ninth with Adam Hammes and Kyle Klein and Nate Sexton in 11th. Um, so that kind of rounds out your top 10 or 11. And then you had Simon and then Kevin Jones at 15th, Ezra in 15th, Andrew Gibson and Yuli also in 15th. A bunch of guys who were kind of bundled up at 14 down. So if you extrapolate that over three rounds, that's an average of only four or five down per, per round. Um, so I think if you see any lines from guys that are like around that, uh, I think you should take the over. Yeah, um, and I, an I agree. Go ahead. An, an example of that would be Nate Sexton. Last year, he averaged through all three rounds, he averaged a 60. And so if this uh, course is playing two to three strokes harder, we see that it would be a 62 or a 63, and they have him right at a 63. So I think uh, Nate Sexton over on the 63 would not be crazy. Um, and, I, and I know that means he's only shooting a two down, which I don't think Nate Sexton is a top 10 or 15 golfer in the world anymore. I think those days are probably four or five years Long behind gone. him. Yeah. Um, so I think Nate Sexton at the 63, I like the over, even though no one likes to really take an over when it's that close to par. But I think last year, if he only averaged a 60 and the course is going to be harder, I don't think he's any better this year than he was last year. I think uh, Nate Sexton on an over there. And then kind of on the opposite end, Bro- uh, Brody at a 63, I think is improving. And we've seen him improve from last, last year's finishes. I think he finished... 25th last year, uh, 26th, and he shot 12 down. So he averaged four down through these three rounds. So he averaged a 62 and they have him at a 63. Um, 
so that one, I guess you could go really e- e- either way. You know, he's better he, than he, he's somebody who's game. Yeah. Right. His game is dramatically improved. So it, it's yeah. hard to use that exact same method. So um, I think him under, I think he generally plays safe and smart and he can get a lot of, he can get a, a lot of those birds because he's a pretty decent putter. Although last when, when, when his putt is on, it's really yeah. dangerous. His stepper is really good. He's so he's like one of the worst in C1X because I think he has a couple misses, but his C2, I think he's top, I think I saw 18 or 19th on tour in circle two putts, which is really good. Uh, his stepper is definitely working. His C1X last week was not good, but generally it's pretty good. So I, I could see Brody going out and shoot, uh, shooting, uh, you know, three, four down. Probably, I mean, that would not be crazy. You know, he finished fifth or whatever, fourth at DDO. So, um, we know he can play well. So yeah, I like Brody under Nate Sexton over just at first glance, but I think this is going to be a tournament where you're really going to want to wait till round two to really, uh, get heavy on your betting. So I think kind of play it safe this first, first round. Jed, are there li- lines here that you like that jump out at you? Well, to me, just sticking with trends. Um, it's curious to see Drew Gibson at a 61 and a half. Um, we know what he's capable of, and I also think this might be a course that could play to his advantage. However, uh, his past couple tournaments have shown me that he might not be on his game. Um, it is his area. Um, maybe he's going to be more relaxed for this tournament. But if I was to be putting my money in play here, I'd probably go Drew Gibson over. Um, if we're talking a four down still being a pretty good score, I wouldn't take him necessarily at a five down. And then I would also say the same thing about Adam Hammes. Uh, the dude is just so swingy. And it's yeah. hard to determine when his hot rounds are going to come. Uh, I would lean towards an over on him. It's only a 62, uh, but again, prize picks will pay you out if you push. So I think a four down from Adam Hammes is uh, reasonable. And if he does worse, uh, that's even better for you. Yeah. And then I also like the Kevin Jones line, considering he's only a half stroke lower than Brody. Yeah, 62 wow. and yeah, a half. yeah, yeah, yeah. Four down. I I could see him hitting a four down. So and Kevin Jones under. Yeah, pretty tempting. I well, I was I I pulled up the um, Brody Smith video right before we recorded, so I haven't watched it yet. But the number one comment was, "I could see this being a course that Calvin Heinberg destroys." They were saying that there's a lot of like low uh, pushing shots that you need. Um, which I'm sure that probably plays into rollers as well. And to me, Kevin Jones is an elite roller thrower. So I could definitely see that out of Kevin Jones. I also noticed looking at the caddy book, a lot of Mandos where you have like 400 feet, some sort of Mando, and then 200 feet to the right or left. And yeah. so it's going to be hit. That sounds Mandos. Like central. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like there might be some rollers. Um, you know, Eagle is not playing. Otherwise he would, he'd be someone I'd feel comfortable taking it under on. Um, Ricky's been playing well. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he went out here and shot a seven down 59 and hit that under. He's been playing well. He's feeling good. Uh, Although he is coming off of a a, a line flare up from last last week. Although to me, it just looked like he hit a bunch of single leg squats. I'm not sure. (laughs) He Um, he said literally day three of the tournament. He's like, I feel so much better. I wish I was out there playing right now. So that's good. Good news. Yeah. Um, What else here? Well, I mean, is that it? I don't think that's it. Garrett Gerthy. Let's talk about Garrett Gerthy and where he's been. He had a decent finish this past week, but where has this guy been all year? And why has he been like a solid over for me the entire year? I don't know. GG's always, he's somebody who you want to go over on because you know, his putting isn't amazing. Uh, But he's somebody that also sometimes hesitate because he's obviously got that monster arm. 
so it just depends in a lot of the stuff's just going to be uh narrative based you know we we don't have the answers like question is garrett gerthy's giant arm not as giant as it yeah i was about to say um in today's game yeah he can probably throw max more than someone but i'll tell you uh, one thing that translating I'll tell you one thing that helps with that is um, like speed control. He's somebody who on um, tougher, more guarded greens probably has much better speed control because he's disking down, whereas other players might be throwing fairways or high speed. Uh, I've seen Garrett throw rocks on 400 plus foot shots plenty of times. Oh man! So if that if that green if that green is guarded, then he definitely has the speed control going into there. What do you eat? Cookies and milk over there? Yeah, my wife <laughs> made them for me, Doc. Come on, jeez. <laughs> but uh. I mean, yeah, that's up to you on the GG play. I'm sure he will uh, shoot exactly around that three down, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him shoot over. So, Yeah. Well, in, in that case, that was my last thing I want to talk about because GG, I feel like, is just not the same GG of no, when I played uh, the Jacksonville been. Open in 2010. Garrett, watching Garrett Gerthy throw was like, whoa, this is otherworldly. Well, I'm sure it still is. I just it, it's, it still is, but, you know, a lot of these guys can throw five 500 feet now in an open field. So, But can they throw 800 like he can? <laughs> to me, True. to me, it's like him, AB, Drew Gibson. Those are some of the most – and I haven't got to see any of them in person, but, like, I just want to see that real bad at those three guys. Yeah. I, I hear that Ricky makes his 500 feet look ridiculously effortless. Yeah, because of his un, unorthodox form, you wonder, like, how can this guy throw so far? Yeah. He doesn't even look like he's trying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we've got some some tough lines here. Uh, go with what you feel in round one. Keep keep the, the bet sizing small. Um, and then look at round two, see what players are shooting. Keep, keep an eye on the weather. I don't think it's going to be bad or terrible, but you never know what type of winds could roll, roll through. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, Jed. Is this a place I can discuss? Did I did, did I give you the full picture of my poker bad beat from last last you, week? You you did, but go ahead and I'll go ahead. So I went and played poker for the first time since the pandemic started. Originally, um, both Joshes were dealing at the downtown. Big uh, Josh, nice. Damien deals there Josh. now too. Yeah, so if it, it, it felt like going home to the old crew, I walked in there like, yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah, so right. What, what, what's up? No, <laughs> I haven't seen you in a long here? time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I bought in for 180. You know, did a couple bomb pots when when they happen. You know, you lose, you, you lose there, but you yeah. just want to play. Played smart. Played only top 10 hand type stuff. Got dealt pocket uh, deuces three times. The first two two times, uh, I was going to just limp in and try to you know mine mine a set. Big bets come. I just folded. The third third time it happens, I get dealt uh, pocket twos uh one of the one, one of these uh whales behind me in in asian guy uh bets huge like 20 bucks this is a very this is a very stereotypical poker player by the way yeah the, <laughs> like, the asian the who's betting a lot yeah. of money he's younger he just will yeah. bet anything Maybe with any two cards knows. yeah with any two cards so he bets 20 another guy calls 20 comes back to me i think i was the first first to act uh and i call Flop comes, I hit my set. It's like nine, seven, two offsuit. Oh, really God. dry, really dry board. So there's already sixty to seventy dollars in the pot, and at this point, I only have like ninety behind. Right. So I shove it I'm all put, in. Yeah, I'm just putting it all in. At that yeah, point. I'm yeah, putting it all in. I've, I've, I've got a set on the flop. A, uh, the Asian guy, uh, he, he's like, all right, how Why much so you got? Much? He, 
<laughs> Why so much? <laughs> What's the one guy said to you? Nice, nice call. Was no, oh, no. he goes. I don't want to do any Asian voices. He, well, he said. He asked if I had a king or something. No, he goes, Miss your fresh. Yeah. <laughs> then he goes, Call. And then I show top pair, pretty bad kicker. And I get full value on him because he's, yeah, he's like, what did, what did he say? Nice hand. So that's who I'm playing against, but a guy like 30 years younger. Yeah. So the guy, um, so the Asian guy uh, calls me. And the third guy also calls. And then oh, so at this God. point, the Asian guy goes, oh, full, no. Full triple up inbound. So I'm all all in. They they still have bets to make. And they both end up. And then the next card comes, another nine or another seven. I forgot which one. To give me a boat. So I've yeah. got a full boat. And I've got two dudes who call me. I'm like, oh, I'm about to triple up and walk out of here. Uh, it's been a couple hours. My wife's at home chilling. Probably not stoked that I'm out playing poker. It'd be great to come home. Like, baby, I'm going to get you some new shoes. Yeah. And uh <laughs> Then the, next, then, the, <laughs> then the next card comes and it paired the board and gave this other guy a full house, but he had sevens full. I had twos full so sevens. Sick. Yeah, and they both runner, had terrible runner. cards. Yeah, I went runner, runner, runner to lose. They both had terrible cards. And I Seven, had to just five, walk out. And it's that feeling, and I know you know this feeling when you've lost. I know and it. And you like go to get what up turns to you leave, into a DJ. And you're like, wait, how am I out? Yeah. <laughs> Why How did I, I not lose? Have Why do I not have four hundred dollars in front of me or two fifty or whatever? Five percent. Runner, runner, you. full house to beat me. I walk out like, all right, Josh, peace, bro. He's like, sorry, man, that sucks. I'm like, yeah, was, I know, was it dude. Josh Ewer or Big Josh, who's now skinny Josh, but <laughs> he's skinnier Josh, but he's still big. Uh, oh, so that, that's who it was. It wasn't him dealing. Josh was oh. at the skinny Josh was at the other table. Um but yeah, so I had to leave and that was my bad. I was so pissed. But I came home knowing I made the right play and that I was playing smart and I was like, I still got it. And man, yeah. but there is quite nothing like that poker rush when you shove all when your chips in. When you're all in. You're yeah. I mean, the if cards you have like one of the watches on your wrist, your heart rate will be at 140. Damn, dude, that feeling was good. But I was like, man. And then it sucks when you're at home knowing you should have had 250 in front of you and then you yeah. have nothing. And then you're like, fuck, I'm never playing this game again. <laughs> yeah, you're like, dude, this is stupid. Why did I do that with these guys who just buy in for 300, 300, 300? I'm sitting there with my stack of 180, just like barely betting. And then, but then yeah. when I bet, it's respected. So, anyway, I just wanted to share a bad beat story. We're getting close to an yeah, hour, and I've got a game of Pathfinder to hop in. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to end it one more time. Um, once more, I just want to shout out Till Death Disc, Disc Club, Dark Ace Apparel, and Prize Picks for being our sponsors. I want to thank all of you listeners out there. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter, underscore hitting the line. You can find me at HTNASSER, H-T-N-A-S-S-E-R, and Jad at JDisc4407. Yes, if you want to follow us on Twitter and get in on some of this action. Um, but until next time, folks, we will let you guys go. Please subscribe and rate. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.